Glory to God. Well, you may be seated. Good to see you here this today. I set up on Facebook this morning. It's unusual for us to go a whole week and not see each other. <laughs> I know I don't see all of you on Wednesdays, but I get to see many of you, and there's always the hope that some others might come on out. But it's good to see you here today. Did everybody recover from our long week? We're going to be over in Mark chapter 5, looking at some verses from Mark chapter 5 we haven't always looked at. At least uh, not the last couple of times we've been down that way. But there was a little boy who was walking on a beach, young lad, and he uh, saw a, a lady who was sitting on the beach by herself. She was about his mother's age. And so he went up to her and he asked her, he says, he said, ma'am, are you a Christian? And she said, yes. She said, do you read the Bible? And she said, yes. Do you pray often? And she said, yes. So finally he asked her his last question. He said, will you watch my quarter while I go in the water? <laughs> kind of interesting how he qualified. Someone, but he's trying to find someone that he can trust. In the area of authority, God needs to find people that he can trust. In the area of authority, he has entrusted us with many things. How we handle it and what we do with it is up to us. I put up this morning that one of the biggest issues with Christians in the area of authority is understanding a little about is understanding little about it, but trying to do much. Very often it causes us to stand, as we say, in authority over something that is not really even under us. We haven't quite come to that understanding. We have failures in this area. We've took, taken authority over things. We've had failures. And what that does for us is it causes us to lose confidence in those areas where we do have authority. Too often Christians have stood and they say, I'm taking authority over this or I'm doing this. Or, and it's not an area that they have been given authority over. And by doing so, you get distracted from doing what you're supposed to do. We've been on this series on authority. I think we're winding it down. It's not that we're running out of topics, not that we're running out of scriptures. It's just, you know, it's probably about time to move on into, into something else. Um, still much we need to learn about this. It is very impactful into how you operate. But we saw in the life of Jesus that he ministered healing in two different ways. One was through the power and the anointing that was on him. And another was through the authority that was given to him. That some people, he just healed them by the authority of his word. He just said, and things were done. The centurion was one we looked at, and the centurion came up to him and said, if you just say the word, that was authority. The woman with the issue of blood, she came up and she touched the hem of his garment, and power went out from Jesus and healed her. The Jesus is either healed by power or by authority. Sometimes we've gotten those things mixed up, and we spent some time looking at that because we have stepped out in the area of authority to do something that is usually done in power. And we don't seem to have it work. But I want to take a look at a section of Scripture here. Again, we've taught on these uh, stories a number of times. We're not trying to go through here and get all the, all the material from it. Just looking at it from the standpoint of authority. Now, when Jesus had crossed over, Mark chapter 5, verse 21. Now, when Jesus had crossed over again by boat to the other side, a great multitude gathered to him, 
and he was by the sea. And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet and begged him earnestly, saying, My little daughter lies at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, that she may be healed, and she will live. Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now, I put this in your outline. At least I don't think I took this out of it. Authority is granted from one in authority for operation by those under their authority to yield results within the area or scope of their authority. How many of y'all like to watch those crime shows? All right, y'all, I, I like to watch the crime shows. What is the, one of those phrases that you hear all the time in the crime shows is, you know, the police are out there, they're on the beat, they're doing a thing, and they come across a case and someone always accuses them of, this is not your jurisdiction, mm-hmm. right? They always come up with that. It's not in your area. It's, it's different things like, like that because the police are set up that you have sergeants, you have captains, you have the uh, uh, people that are in charge of the city. It's all broken down. But if you were under a certain sergeant, you, you were under a certain captain, you have jurisdiction in that area for which they have authority. And when you get to the street where that authority ends, even though you are a police officer, you have no more, juris, no more rule than someone else. Unless, of course, somebody remember Smoking the Bandit? Smoking the Bandit. You remember why the sheriff continued to chase the bandit? He's outside of his jurisdiction, wasn't he? Why did, what justification did he give for still chasing after the bandit? He was in... Hot pursuit. You see, as long as you are in hot pursuit of a criminal, you can go beyond your jurisdiction. Because the authority issue started in your jurisdiction, and you can go and chase out beyond it. But Christians need to know where their authority is, and stay within that area of authority. But you know what pulls us off more than anything? Our emotions. Because we get so pulled by a relative, by a friend, by someone who's close to us, that even though this is technically not in the Word, I still want to see this done. And so we bring this thing on up. We've alluded to this a number of times, gone through and taught on it a number of times as well. But Jesus, whenever he was dealing with a child, always dealt with the parents. Always dealt with the parents. Why? Because they had authority over the children. And so even though the child who wants to be healed, who needs to be healed, is not there, the father has come. Does the father have authority? Absolutely. You certainly do. You as a parent have authority over those, over those children. But authority is granted to, one, to us by one who's in authority. God who is in authority grants us authority. But he can only grant us authority for those areas that are under his jurisdiction. Now, here's a problem that a lot of Christians have. We throw this phrase around a lot of times, God is in control. We have this thought that nothing happens on earth that God does not want. Now, the problem with that kind of thinking is when people die, go home early, that causes some problems with some people. Why did God take them? Now, if you're up on Facebook, I wrote something about that and put, I don't write too many things like that, but I put, wrote something up there. How many did not see that up on Facebook? A couple, 
All right. It's up there. I can get it for you another place. But we just dealt with, I remember, uh, was it a couple weeks ago? Someone was shot in a church in the area. And it was kind of shocking. Now, here's the thing. One of the pastors of that church is a running buddy of mine. He's faster than I am, so most times we're not running together. <laughs> He's usually up ahead of me. But every once in a while, you know, if I'm out ahead of him and he comes up and he passes me, he's kind enough to slow down and stay with me for a little bit. <laughs> and he'll talk to me and say, you know, how's church going? What you guys doing? And I'll ask him some things about that. And then he, he goes on. <laughs> I tell him, you know, don't, don't let me hold you back. I know I'm holding him back. He's a, he's a, he's a good runner. So he goes, goes on. And I asked him some things about it and got some, some things that was, was going on. But that, that caused some questions. But there was a funeral. And our neighbors happened to know the folks. And they went to the funeral. <clears throat> and they said the father who also was in ministry or pastor or something somehow, he said this, why did God take my son in church? So that just got me thinking on some things. That was the basis of writing that little little thing that's up there. So if you're up on Facebook and you find my name or you find the church's name, it's under both, both spots. Just go down a couple of weeks. It was in there. If you can't find it, I'll print it for you and put it on out there if you want to see it. But with, we say all that just to say this. God is not in control of everything. If God was in control of everyone, everything, everyone would be saved. Because doesn't it say in the Word of God that God desires that every man be saved? Well, if God desires that and God is in control of all things, why is not everyone saved? Jesus said he came to the earth to do the will of the Father. Was there anyone that Jesus made sick? How many times did it say that Jesus healed them all? So sick people don't seem to be in the will of God. And we could spend a whole lot more time on that just showing you sick people. It's not in the will. It doesn't mean that people that are sick are out of the will of God or missing God or God isn't like them or any, those thing, kind of things. Just understand. Or it doesn't mean they don't have any faith either. You know, people with faith were sick in the Word of God. The woman with the issue of blood. Jesus said, great is your faith. She didn't just get that faith once she was healed. She had that faith before. So she had that great faith and was sick. There was something missing, something for her to act on. She got that action, took care of that. When I touched the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. Sure enough, she was. God is not in control of all things. Not all things are under his jurisdiction. Do you have a free will? Can you choose what you're going to do today? Then that's not inside of God's jurisdiction, is it? Now, sometimes we have some problems that come up in our lives. Some of them are due to our decisions. But then we blame God. Well, God, if this happened, I guess it's because you wanted it to. <laughs> no, it's because of our decisions. How many of you all made ever, ever made a bad decision? Yeah, I know I have to. <laughs> we all make bad decisions and you live with them, don't you? I mean, you, you go back, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. Yeah, well, you did. But God has granted authority to us. We're under that authority for operation by those for, for us to do things with. He grants us authority because he wants us to do something with it. If you have a person in the police force and the person who's over that um, jurisdiction, that, that area there, if he takes some police officers, put them on the street with a badge and a gun, he expects them to do something, right? Go out there and stop some crime. Solve some cases. Do something. You're there to do, do something. You want to see some, some results, but you want to see some results in that area that you're given authority in. Now, you remember last week we had the umbrella out. If you have an umbrella, my umbrella went away. 
There it is. If you have an umbrella and you are standing on the umbrella, how many know we've gotten a lot of practice standing underneath umbrellas? Probably a lot more than we would like. When you stand underneath that umbrella, that umbrella changes the atmosphere for where you are underneath the umbrella. The atmosphere is different under here than it is out there. That's why we carry them. That's why we stand under them because under me, under the umbrella, it's dry. But you step out from, from underneath that umbrella and it's no longer dry. It's wet. Or sometimes umbrellas are for sun. Keep the sun out. Go down to shore. If you don't have an umbrella, you rent an umbrella because you want something to block those things. Now, I didn't finish filling this out in your, your outline. I thought I did, but I saw that it was still not there. So it's not really a blank, but I just didn't finish typing it out. But authority is granted from one in authority for operation by those under their authority. Got to be under his authority. To yield results within the area or scope of that authority and towards those who will receive from that authority. Here's the thing, folks. You've got to receive from authority. You've got to receive from authority. This, per, this person, Jarius, came up to Jesus and he says, if you'll come and lay your hands on my, my daughter, she'll, she'll live. He's ready to receive from that authority. You cannot have people receive from any authority that you have if they are not willing to receive that authority. Can't do it. How many have ever heard people who have a hard time with court cases, taking people to court? Have you ever thought to yourself, well, I'm a Christian, I shouldn't take anybody to court? Anybody ever thought, have that thought? All right, we don't need to go over that then. <laughs> I've said this uh, phrase many times, but the highest authority you can utilize is the highest authority all parties recognize. The highest authority you can utilize is the highest authority all parties recognize. Or basically, they will yield to. How about taking somebody to court? If you take a non-Christian person, you have a, a dispute with a non-Christian person, you cannot say, let's just take this to God. Because the non-Christian person does not receive, does not honor the authority of God. If you have a person you meet on the street and they do not respect the authority of the police, where else can you go? Well, that's why some people pack weapons. That's why they have some of the... What's the, what's the lowest authority that they will receive that, that you both have in common? That's the authority that's going to settle it. It's best if God settles all of our dis- disagreements. It's best if He does. But if you are dealing with someone, even if they call themselves a brother or sister in Christ, but they don't receive from that authority, not going to take it. You're going to take authority over Satan's kingdom. Does Satan accept the authority of Jesus Christ? He has no choice. For him, there is no choice. He must accept it. When you deal with Satan's kingdom, he has to yield to the authority of Jesus Christ. Not saying that he likes it, but he has to respect it. He does not have a choice in that matter. Sickness and disease, they don't have a choice. They must bow to the name of Jesus. Storms, we saw even storms that Jesus stood up against. Now, how many authorities are there? Well, there's the authority, there's, there's God. Who's our authority? We all know that one. Satan. Do you know that Satan is his own authority? In John chapter 8, verse 44, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. But when he speaks or when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. He speaks from his own resources. 
When you operate under your own authority, you're speaking from your own resources. You are of your father, the devil. Sin is another one. Romans 3, 9. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. The word of God even goes on to say that we are born under sin. Sin has authority. Jesus Christ came to break that. Parents have authority. Bosses have authority. Does, does a boss have authority over you? Yeah, but it's limited. Thank God. Now, parental authority, when they are young, parental authority is pretty much unlimited. As they get older, the parents begin to yield some of that and give some because they need to in order to grow that one up. You need to, all right, well, you need to make that decision. Where are you going to spend your quarter today? <laughs> you got to make that on this, their own decision. And so you begin to, to grow them up to begin to do some of these things. The centurion had authority over his servant and came to Jesus on regards to his servant. But most times you see this is with a parent. Now, this little girl was healed by authority as Jesus spoke to her. We didn't get that far in it, but Jesus spoke to her. So as far as whether it's power or authority, Jesus healed this, woman, this little girl by authority. All right, let's get into the meat of this here. Kind of just introducing it. The authority Jesus operated in came from God and from the Father. Now, I don't mean God the Father. I mean the authority that Jesus operated in in this area with this girl came from God who gave him authority over sickness and disease and came from the father of the little girl who said, come and heal my daughter. There's two authorities that were there at work that authorized Jesus to come into this situation. Verse 35, while he was still speaking, that's with the woman with the issue of blood, some came from the ruler in the synagogue's house who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And as soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not be afraid, only believe. And he permitted no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. Then he came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and saw a tumult and those who wept and wailed loudly. When he came in, he said to them, Why make this commotion and weep? The child is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him. But when he had put them all outside, he took the father and the mother of the child and those who were with him and entered where the child was lying. Then he took the child by the hand and said to him, Talitha Kumai, which is translated little girl, I say to you, arise. Immediately the girl arose and walked. For she was 12 years of age. And they were overcome with great amazement. But he commended, commanded them strictly that no one should know it. And said that something should be given to her to eat. So he comes in. He's got all these people who laughed at him. They're not ready to receive from Jesus' authority. You do not need all the people in your life to receive from Jesus' authority to get it to work. How many of you have relatives that doubt that God will do something in your life? Anybody have that? Relatives? Right now, that are doubting that God will do something in your life. Friends that are doubting that God will do something in your life. Do not worry about it. They can't hold you back. Do the same thing that Jesus did. Put them out of the room. All right, they're still in the area. <laughs> they're still around. They're going to hear about what's going on, but put them out of the room. Outside the room, folks, they can't cause you any, any harm. Do not think that words spoken against you can do anything to you unless you embrace them. Words spoken against you can do nothing to you unless you embrace them. But the enemy wants to put you in fear. Well, these people have said this about you. These people have released these. No, they haven't released a thing. The only thing that gets released is when you speak something. Think about this story again. When the, rulers, when the people came to the ruler of the synagogue, 
And they said, hey, your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the teacher anymore. Who does Jesus speak to? The Father only. He doesn't care what anyone else says. All he cares about is what you say. Do not be afraid. Only believe. And fear tries to get you to speak. Fear is always trying to get you to speak. Think of it this way. How many like to go to the amusement parks and have enjoyed at some time in their life a roller coaster ride? They are making them higher and faster. And now they go upside down and all kinds of things. And now, you know, there's, you're, not, you're barely even strapped in, it feels like. And just kind of going around there and, and oh, I'll tell you what, they're, they're, they're fun. I like roller coasters. I have reached the point in my life where round and round rides and me do not get along. I don't like round and round rides. I used to be able to do round and round rides. Not anymore. I see a round and round ride. I say, no. No. But if it's high, if it's fast, and we're going pretty much straight, this is good. <laughs> this is good. I, I, I like that. But if you get up and think of the sometimes you've been on it, or if you waited and stood on the ground and watched people go. And you know, all roller coaster rides start the same way. You go up a long hill and you go up very slowly, very slowly going up the hill until you finally get to the top of the hill and you get to the top and it starts to go down. And then all of a sudden you're going down and you're looking down at nothing. (laughs) What do you hear when the roller coaster hits that point? Screams. Screams. Why? Because fear produces you to speak. If someone comes in the room and startles you, what do you usually do? Ah! <laughs> words, words come out. Things come out. We, we, we begin to say some things. They're not always things we understand. But we begin to speak. We begin to say some things. Because fear wants to get you to talk. Because if you can talk, if you will engage words, fear can get a hold of you. Do not engage fear. You speak against it. You talk against it. No, I will not. If you go on a roller coaster ride, I'm not the most fun person to go on a roller coaster ride with. I'm, I'm kind of quiet. I just enjoy the ride and get on up there and, and go. And um, it's kind of, if, if you watch my son, my daughter doesn't like roller coaster rides. She does round and round rides. <laughs> so we go to a music park, go to round and round. She's, she's your gal. My wife will do the round and round rides. So we're a good combination that way. She does round and round. I do up and high and fast and sort of stuff like that. But, you know, uh, so I was the one who trained my son on how to do a roller coaster. So if you ever go on a roller coaster with him and he doesn't make any noise, that's why. It's just quiet over there. and That's it. Don't let fear engage your mouth. Don't let it. It's up to you. And so Jesus speaks to us. says, do not be afraid. Only believe. You get a bad report from the doctor. What should you do? Smile. Glory to God. That life is good. Don't engage the fear. Don't engage it. Look at what Jesus even says. Why are you all making all this commotion? She's just asleep. Now they laugh at him. Your belief may cause you to say some things that people will laugh at you for. It's okay. They laughed at Jesus. Let them laugh. But don't engage your fear. 
Now, under, in, in the area of authority, when you get into an area of authority, they must understand there is a clash of kingdoms. There is a clash of kingdoms. Now, in this particular story, not talking about any of those stories, this particular story, here's what we have. We have Jesus who comes in with his anointing, who comes in with the authority given to him. We have sickness and disease, whatever it is that took the life of this, this young one. We have the parents and we have the public. Is the child's will or authority ever an issue in the Bible? There are several times when children are healed, set free, delivered, whatever it might be that was going on. We never heard about the will of the child. All we heard about was the will of the parent. That was it. They brought their children. My son has thrown himself in the fire. My son is, is doing... And, and I brought them to your disciples and they couldn't do anything. Mark chapter 9. They couldn't do anything. He said, Jesus says, bring them here to me. Does Jesus ever engage the child? Hey, do you want to be set free? No. It was the parents. Parents, you have more authority with the lives of your children than you realize. Far more authority than you realize. Now, I put this in your outline for you to ponder. What happens in a home when a child exerts their will in a wrong way? Think about this. Come on, we've all... Even if you don't have any kids, you had siblings, or you've been in a friend's house where one of the kids acted up. And they exert their will. I will not. Right? Have you been around that with the kids? That, I will not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, I was one of them kids. What are you talking about? <laughs> I will not. <laughs> yeah. When the child does that, they establish themselves as a self-appointed authority. When a child does this, they are establishing themselves as a self-appointed authority. When they do this, a lot of blanks here for you, sorry about that, but they're all kind of raw here. When they do this, they compromise the protection and benefit they can receive from them over, from those over them. As a parent, do you not offer protection for your kids? Do you not provide for your kids? Are there, is there not a benefit for them being in your household? Other kids don't have that same benefit. They do. But when they rise up and exert their will over your will, does that not close the door on some of the things you can do? If they resist your authority, doesn't it hinder how you can protect them. Doesn't it hinder what you want to do if you go out to the store? How many of you ever been out to the store with your kids and they were so well behaved? You, on your own, you said, you know what? Go pick out a toy. You've been so well behaved. Oh, you've just been, I'll tell you what you've been so, just go pick out a toy. Go pick out something. You tell them to go pick out something or whatever kind of treat that they want, and they go and they pick it out and they're so happy. They're, they're just, their day is made. You have blessed them with what is yours because of what they have done. Well, you see, the same thing happens with our God. When we rebel under His authority, when we exert our will over His will, we shut down His ability to protect and we shut down His ability to benefit. He wants to, but He can't do it. And I put this in your outline for you. Opposing wills cannot stop your operation under authority unless they are, they are those opposing are also those in need of receiving. What we mean by that is, how many people were around this little girl who opposed what Jesus was going to do? A whole lot of them. Did any of them hinder Jesus? 
No, the only ones that could hinder was the mom and the dad. We can't even bring up the issue of the little girl because right now she's dead. Dead people don't, don't resist. Isn't that right? Did you ever get any resistance from a dead person? Did they ever talk back to you? No, they're dead. Dead people don't do that. The only person who can resist is the mom and dad. If the mom and the dad spoke against Jesus, you know what you're doing is ridiculous. Would that have shut Jesus down? It surely would have. No one in your life can shut down the power of God in your life unless you allow it. No one, even if they're on the other side of the door, they cannot shut it down. God, all He needs is for you to believe. So when can I operate under authority? Well, we want to take a look at Mark chapter 7, verse 24. Again, we just kind of ran through that story. A whole lot more in there. We've taught on it before. Not really here to teach on all the aspects of the story. Just looking at it from the authority standpoint. In uh, Mark chapter 7, verse 24, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it. But he could not be hidden. For a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him, and she came and fell down at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by birth, and she kept asking him to cast a demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be fed, filled first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. Isn't that great? Isn't this just one of those stories where Jesus is interacting with people and you say, oh, I wish I knew how to interact with people like this. And she answered and said to him, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. And then he said to her, for this thing, go your way. The demon has gone out from your daughter. And when she had come to her house, she found the demon gone out and her daughter lying on the bed. So here's a daughter, a Syrophoenician woman, comes to Jesus. Does she believe in Jesus? Does she believe that Jesus can change the situation? One part of the uh, scripture says she came and worshipped him. Up until then, he was ignoring her. Matthew also covers this. So we're kind of taking some things from Matthew, some things from from Mark here. He He wasn't paying any attention. She kept saying... Jesus, if you do this, and Jesus ignoring her, not even paying any attention. You have never done this yourself, have you? Have you ever had somebody nearby who was saying something to you? I do not want to deal with this person. I do not want to deal with this person. And you ignore them, right? (laughs) I just didn't hear them. I just didn't hear them. You're in the grocery store. You're in the Walmart. Remember, we don't talk about Target anymore. You're in the Walmart, you're in the Sears, you're in the J.C. Penny. you're in one of those stores, and all of a sudden there's that neighbor. Oh, I don't need to engage them right now. And so they see you and they start calling out, Steve, Steve. And you just keep going, looking at stuff. You know, you're looking at stuff you don't even care about. You're just looking at stuff, trying to move over to another spot where you can get out. And once you're out of sight, you leave. Right? You ever been there with that one? Jesus is ignoring this lady. Because she said it over and over. Over and over. Come, cast out this spirit. So here's what Jesus finally says to her. Got his attention with the worship. Let the children be fed first, for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she answered and said to him, Yes, Lord. How many of you, if you were this woman, would have stood up and said, How dare you call me a dog? How many of you would have been there with that one? And you would have gone home? You would have gone home without your daughter being well. 
<laughs> but she didn't do that. She did not do that. She said, no, no, he is the master. I don't need to argue with the master. If you call me, if I'm a dog, I'm a dog. That's right. But even the dogs get to eat the little crumbs. How many of you ever had a little dog come up to the table? <laughs> All right, a couple of you. Uh, we had a little dog. I love when little dogs came up to the table because, you know, if you didn't want to eat something, you slip it down there to the dog. The dog would eat it. We had one dog. She would eat anything. There was nothing this dog would not eat. Just whatever it was, veg- all kinds of vegetation. You could just slide it under there and give it to that dog. That dog would eat it up. And there was no trace left. She says, uh, when the little dogs get to have the little bread, how happy is the dog that you gave him a crumb? I mean, they're ecstatic, aren't they? It's like, oh, thank you for that little crumb. I could barely see it. I could barely taste it. But you gave it to me. And, oh, I so appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Isn't that what a dog does? Now, cats wouldn't do that. Can't talk about cats like that. We're talking about dogs. Now, look at what Jesus says in verse 29. Then he said to her, for this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. All right. Why is Jesus resistant to minister to this woman before? Is it because it's not God's will for her daughter to be healed? Well, that can't be the case, is it? Because she eventually does get healed. And would Jesus do anything against the will of the Father? Well, that would tell us that it's the will of the Father for her to be healed now when she was healed. So it also had to be the will of the Father before. Isn't Jesus always going to do the will of the Father? If Jesus always did the will of the Father and did so by healing his daughter how was he not doing the will of the Father by not healing her? Is that not also possible? Did you ever think about that? Was Jesus resisting doing the will of the Father when he would not heal her? I got some of you thinking. Good. You ought to be thinking about those kind of things. Now, not to, a, to the point that you doubt God. Whatever Jesus does, folks, he was, he was good. He was perfect. I don't ever want to cause you to, to think anything less than that. But here's the thing. If not healing her before was in the will of the Father and healing her after was the will of the Father, what changed that enabled him to do it? Now, remember here, you are given authority. You are given authority in a certain jurisdiction, right? You must remain within that jurisdiction. To step outside of that jurisdiction would mean that you go beyond your authority. And Jesus says to her, let the children be filled first. Who's he speaking about? The Jewish people. The Jewish people. In Matthew fifteen twenty four. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Who was Jesus sent to? The lost sheep of the house of Israel. Later on, he commissions his 12 disciples. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, is he not giving them authority? He's giving them authority. He is giving them. Now, he cannot give them authority in areas where he does not have authority. Right? Where is he sent to? The house of Israel. He says, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter a city of the Samaritans. But go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Because Jesus is sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
So therefore, that's his jurisdiction. So the disciples are then sent to, he sends them to his jurisdiction. This is the area I've been given, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He says, don't go to the Gentiles. Don't go to the Samaritans. Who is a Syrophoenician woman? She's a Gentile. Is Jesus sent to her? Then when Jesus says no, or doesn't re- or refuses to answer her, or says, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give the bread to the dogs. He is basically saying, you are not in my sphere of where I'm supposed to minister. Right? So what happened that suddenly she became into that area of ministry? Well, before we answer that one, go on over to the centurion. Just think about him. The centurion came. He's a centurion. He's a Roman centurion. Is he of the lost sheep of Israel? No. Now, the people of Israel came and they were telling you, you know, he's been real good to our people. He's been, you know, he built this. He did all these kind of things. He's a great guy. Come on over. He deserves for you to come and heal him. Heal his uh, servant. And so Jesus came on over to the, to the centurion. And the centurion said, I didn't mean for you to come all the way here to my house. I just meant for you to say the word. For I too am a man under authority. I said to this one, go and he goes. This one, come and he comes. You speak the word, my servant will be healed. Jesus said to him, I haven't seen such great faith in all of Israel. You see, Jesus' sphere of authority goes this way. To those that are of the lost sheep of the house of Israel and anyone in faith. Anyone in faith. And so this woman, though she was outside of his sphere of where he could operate, put herself in to that sphere by her faith. And you know that for sure by the very thing that Jesus said. Verse 29, Mark chapter 7. Then he said to her, For this saying, Go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. For this saying, Jesus knew what sphere he could operate in and stayed within it. And when he saw that there was faith, ah, there's an opening. I can operate where my father has sent me because there is faith here. There are several things we want to take a look at as we go over this next week, maybe in the week after that, in the area of this part of a area of, of authority. But here's some things to think about first, but before you take authority over anything, what authority do I have? What authority do I have? Where do you find out what authority you have? In the Word. In the Word. There's a whole lot of people that go out there and they take authority over this and they take authority over that and they speak to this and they speak to that and they have no idea what the Word of God says. If you're going to have authority, you've got to know what the Word of God says. Remember power? In order for healing to come through power, it was connection. In order for healing to come through authority, it was confidence. What authority do I have? Is the need in my sphere of operation? You may have a friend who, wants, who you want to be healed, but are they willing to receive from the authority of Jesus Christ? Are they willing to receive healing from... If they're not willing, it ain't going to work. They've got to be willing. Is the need in my sphere of operation? What am I commissioned to do? You know you have certain things you are commissioned to do for your family, 
And there are certain things you're commissioned to do for other people. Do you know what the Word of God says about those things? There's a lot of parents who don't know. And they aren't taking that authority like they should. How will it be released and how will it be received? How will it be released? It's released from me. It's received by them. How will that be released? How will it be received? It's about time, folks, we get tired of having failures, be tired of the failures we have in the area of authority. And let's start walking in some things. Let's start taking authority over what we're supposed to take authority over. You see something that's going on in your kids that you don't like? Do I have authority over that or am I just throwing out words? What can I do in, in this area? You go to the Word of God. It will help you out. It will help you in that. How many of you have people that you would call folks that you mentor? People that you mentor. People that you're helping out. Do you have some authority in there? Absolutely. And as much as they will yield to. Did Paul not have people that were mentors to him? He had authority with them. Sometimes he, he spoke sternly. But he had people that he could minister to. If you don't have people that you can mentor... Get some. Find some. Somebody out there is worse off than you are. <laughs> Go out there and minister to them. Get these things, get these things down. Have you ever seen people do those things with the prayer cloths? You know, the prayer cloths went from their, from their body. We're going to talk about them. We're going to show you what, what their status is in the Word of God. Are they still for today? How should they be used? What can they do are they in the Word of God? Did it not say that, that cloths were taken from Peter's body? It surely does. Yeah, I've done some research on that. You would be amazed at what it actually is saying. You'd be amazed at what God used. We'll get into, into probably next week we'll, we'll look at some of that. But um, sometimes people even use this thing for something it was not designed for. And we have failures in those areas. In the area of authority, you have been given authority by Jesus Christ. Didn't Jesus come out and say, all authority has been given unto me. Therefore, go. He has given that authority. Didn't Jesus say, greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father? He said that. So therefore, we can do greater works than he did. Not because we're greater than Jesus, but because Jesus went to the Father. Because that's how Jesus said it. Because I go to my Father, you're going to be able to do greater things than this. But there's areas in authority we need to work. The enemy wants to get you to take that authority and misuse it. He wants to use it in areas where it's not designed. He wants you to use it in ways it was not intended and he wants you to have failure after failure after failure after failure so that you stop using your authority altogether. Then you have people who think, well, if I'm going to have authority, I've got to sound authoritative. And we try and be authoritative. And we try and sound authoritative. And we think that by doing that, that we'll have success. You don't have to be loud. You don't have to be authoritative. All you have to do is be an authority. You know, if you uh, get pulled over by the police officer and the police officer comes to you, what's he say? License and registration, please. Yeah, we all know that because we watch it on TV. <laughs> License and registration, please. He doesn't have to be nasty. He doesn't have to throw you up against the car. 
He just says, license and registration, please. Why? He's an authority. Now, if I decide to resist that authority, he can get sterner. He can use other, other ways of, of going. But generally, he just comes up and he's, he says that. And we yield to that authority because of the authority that is behind him. The enemy does not yield because of your words. He does not yield because of what, how you sound. He yields because of the authority that is behind you. That's why he yields. He has to yield. He doesn't want to yield. He has to yield. And as long as he can get you convinced that you can't move him or you can't change your situation or you can't use your authority or your authority is no good, he has compromised you in this area. Do you know that there are some things that you will face even this week that the authority of Jesus Christ will not work on? And yet many Christians will make prayers in regards to it. And all it does is compromise your authority. All it does is compromise your confidence in that authority. Because if you don't have confidence in your authority, you don't walk in it. I hear Christians praying all the time. And they pray things and they try and stand in authority for things they have no business doing. None. But they don't know it. Now, this is not rocket scientists. You don't need to be a rocket scientist to understand this. This is the simplest stuff we're going to be getting into just to show you how to operate this way. Because you want to stay under the umbrella. You want to stay under the authority that God has given you. If you stay under his authority, the atmosphere under him is different. If you step outside of that authority, it's now wet. Or whatever the umbrella is protecting you from. You don't need that. It's going to hold you back. God can do great things with you. Understand what your authority is, how it is released from you, how it is received by those who need it. We're going to look at a few more stories. Probably can finish this off, this part of it off in two weeks. Don't know if we can do it in a week, but probably in at least in two. And you will know easily, is this something underneath my authority? Has God given me jurisdiction here? Or is this something that I need to be like Jesus was going to do with the woman from Syrophoenicia who's ready to move on until she said something. Until she said something. You see, a whole lot of times, folks, we would have been Jesus with the Syrophoenician woman. We would have been in that situation and we would have said, you know what? I got nothing else to do right now. I'm going to go ahead and minister to this situation. But Jesus didn't do it. There's a reason for it. But in talking with her, he got her to say something. He gave her the opportunity and she said something that was a faith statement. And he says, all right, now we've changed things. Now it is no longer that you are a Gentile. Now you are a person of faith and I can minister to anyone who's in faith because of this statement. Go your way. Your daughter as well. I love that story. I like all of them. <laughs> Would you all stand up for me? Father, great is your authority. Great is its power. We've misunderstood. We've misused something that was so great and such a great benefit to us. We just didn't understand it. Father, we want to learn from your word, from how Jesus operated under authority, 
how the disciples operate under authority, the things that they did. And we want to know in any situation, is this in my sphere of authority? Is it something I should walk away from? Is it something that I can change? Is it something that I can get them to make a statement for which I can act on? Father, your desire is to minister to all that you can. And not everyone has put themselves in a place to be ministered to by you. Father, we want to be in a place where you can minister to us and minister through us. And we operate with your wisdom. So in the weeks to come, as we look at this issue in your word, I thank you that you open up our eyes to see who, can we, who we can help in the area of authority, what we can stand against, and what we sure should not blame on you. I thank you for the help that you give us in this. With every head bowed, if you're here today and you say, I've had some authority failures in my life. It's caused me to back off in the area of authority. It's caused me not to take authority where I should. But I'm ready for God to minister to me and to bring me back from that place of defeat to a place of victory. Raise your hand up. I'm not going to bring you up here to the front. just going to pray for you right where you're at. Father, you see these ones who raise their hand. Your desire is to bring them to a place of victory in their life. You don't want us there in defeat. Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was raised on the third day, went on to heaven, sent us the Holy Spirit, and has empowered us to make changes in this world. And I thank you, Father, that you help us to understand what those changes are, what we can do in your authority, and what is outside that jurisdiction. Because if we operate in the area that you gave us, we have success and we have great success and our confidence grows and the enemy becomes afraid and that's where you'll take us I thank you for it in the name of Jesus we pray Amen Alright I saw a few of the hands that were raised up be praying for you this week and God's going to open up your eyes to get you from a place of being defeated to a place of being in victory and it doesn't take long don't think it's going to take years and years for me to... No, it doesn't take long. Look at Peter. How long did it take him to go from a place of being defeated to a place of being in victory? <laughs> it did not take him long at all. God is in the, has the ability to change our situations. All right, before we go, praise reports. Anybody have a praise report? Did not turn it in yet? Oh, we got more. All right. If, if you had one and didn't write it down, you have a little bit of time while we're reading these to write something down. These with Annie. I got two here from then and uh, this one is from Marguerite she says I praise God that Sister Anne's ministry of the word on healing coupled with teaching that we are receiving at Zoe helped me to settle a new um, that I am healed in Jesus name Amen Praise Amen. God Amen and Jim I think we all need to run around the building for yeah. this one yeah. I was here for the Wednesday healing service and by Friday the back pain and hip pain Woo! were gone and they are still gone Amen Amen Jen, I have a permanent job. Praise God. That's awesome. Um, no other praise reports? I have one. I'm going to share this. Um, when we were up here, and we were actually praying for you, Jim, um, when Ann was, was ministering with you, and Lissy and I were just sitting there, and I started praying in the Holy Ghost. I said, come on, Lissy, let's pray for Mr. Jim. And I started praying in the Holy Ghost, 
Well, she started praying something too. <laughs> and it was something, I am convinced, because she did it again later on, that she got baptized in the Holy Ghost when Ann was here. You know, that's something that's on my heart is for these kids because they're so in tune with spiritual things. And they do imitate what they see you do. How many of you have seen her up here raising her hands? And Pastor's oh, yeah. already said about how she repeats the, um, the offering. Uh, I don't know what you call that. Confession. Uh, the confession that we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, she repeats that. And I believe with all my heart that these kids, the Word of God is so clear on what our kids are expected to be doing. We should expect from them that they can sit in a service like that and have the anointing fall on them. Mm-hmm. Have the anointing you know, minister to them. Have the Holy Spirit speak to their hearts and minister whatever it is that we're receiving up here as well. Amen. So that was my praise report. I'm excited about that. Do you have something else? Go ahead. Just nothing. Um, how many of you received this in your bulletin this morning? You did not? It, um, it says, Go Hill. Um, Jeremy is graduating and on his way to Massachusetts in the fall. How many of you did not receive one? They were in the bulletins. Okay, maybe we ran out. Could you, could you double check the ones that are back there and see if there's any left over? Um, on Sunday, May 29th, immediately following service, we're having a, um, a special uh, dinner for him, a, a celebration at our house. So the reason why I'm mentioning that now is so as you get prepared, we will have the pool open. I don't know how warm it will be. <laughs> but if you have children, please come prepared with swimmies for them. I, I just don't always remember to buy them. Um, that's why I want, want you to have a couple extra weeks to prepare for that. Um, everybody's invited, so make plans to come. It's just going to be a cookout at our house. Don't need to bring anything. Just need to be there. All right. Yes, we will get the pool open. I look at that all the time, and oh, there are, we have a few more out there, so if you don't have that. And, and when, we, um, <coughs> when we go through this on that, that Sunday, you can, if you don't know where our house is, you can just follow somebody, or we'll give it to you for your GPS, and you can just uh, track it out there. Wednesday, we are back on with our midweek service. Um, two weeks ago, we had Annie here, so we didn't have any midweek, regular midweek service, and she was here for that, that whole, whole week, and it's good to hear the reports from things going on from that uh, wonderful healing service services. Uh, last Wednesday, we gave you all the week off because we were here so much the week before. So we're picking it up. We're looking at uh, Ammon, Ammon and the Josiah. We're only going to begin Josiah, the King Josiah. We're in the book of Kings, if you don't know that. It's uh, Second Kings, studying Kings on Wednesday night. So we start at 7.30, end around 8.30. And uh, there's questions you can ask afterwards if you want to stay longer for that. But uh, usually the service is over by 8.30 if you need to get on, on home. But Josiah is the last good king of Israel. And he starts to reform and we're going to look at a number of questions with it. This reform is unique in a lot of ways, but you wonder how does people, how do people in Israel go from such a great reformer, such a great king like Hezekiah, to the place where they are in Josiah, which is just two kings later, and do not even know about the Bible. Do not even know about the Bible. So we're going to look at him. We're going to look at the reform. We're also going to look at the response that God gave. I believe we're going to get into this one because God gave the response to the reforms that were done when Josiah did the reforms and everybody came and repented and all Israel came and they were all uh, repenting and sackcloth and God says, what I said I'm going to do, I'm still going to do. Why does God do that? Why does God not say, you know what, you guys were so great in repentance here, I'm just going to wipe that out and we're going to start over again. Why doesn't he say that? There is a reason. We're going to look at that on Wednesday night. Saturday, we had the men's breakfast. After the breakfast on Saturday, 
I'm not sure if we're going to do the whole men's breakfast. We're just doing the men's breakfast. But after we do that, we're going to do a work day here at the church. Uh, men and ladies are invited for that.